Greetings and welcome again to our weekly online sermon. I want to thank you so much for uh, checking back in this week, and I pray that uh, the worship that uh, Mike has put together for you to uh, listen and sing along with has been a blessing to you, as well as I pray that this uh, sermon will also be an encouragement to you as well. Uh, New Hope members and attenders, Please remember, if you have any needs, prayer requests, benevolence items that come up, don't hesitate to reach out. You can call me directly through the church line or reach out via email or text, but we want to make sure that you are being cared well for. Also, if you are in our directory, uh, then you will likely uh, be hearing from an elder again soon. We have been trying to stay faithful and staying in touch with our church family. We want to make sure that your needs are met and that you are being cared for well. We love you and, again, uh, pray that uh, this is something that will end soon. Uh, But we know that even in the midst of it, that God is at work for his good pleasure in our lives. And it is my personal prayer that, as a church body, that uh, each day that this passes, that we'll be growing in our love uh, for him, our love for one another, and our love for those outside the faith as well, that uh, our lives truly would have the aroma of Christ. This morning, we continue our study in 2 Corinthians. Our focus today is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 8, and I'll read those uh, for you now, and then we'll pray as we get started. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. I want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, And in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. Let us pray together. Lord, I do want to thank you so much uh, for this study in the book of 2 Corinthians. Uh, Lord, it is good to be back uh, in our regular study again as we took a a detour uh, for a few weeks uh, with the beginning of the online messages. And Lord, I pray for all who hear this message, Lord, that your spirit would be at work in their lives. Lord, would you help us to see clearly uh, the importance and the joy that is found uh, as we honor you through our generosity towards those in need. Uh, Lord, I have no doubt that there are many who will hear this who may be in need themselves. And I pray, Lord, that the overflow of love and generosity from their brothers and sisters in Christ would strengthen their faith. 
Help us, Lord, uh, to truly do all things for your glory. I pray for your help, Lord, in preaching this message. To be clear, Lord, I pray that uh, there would be no distractions, but that your church would be built up in their faith and their love for you as your word is proclaimed. Lord, I thank you so much uh, for the knowledge that you are at work in all things for our good. And I pray, Lord, that as you do that work in our lives uh, during this season of the quarantine and and all that that entails, Lord, that uh, you would find within each one of your people uh, a true hunger and earnestness in our desire to know you and to love you and to honor you in all that we do. Lord, so I ask that you would be glorified in this time, uh, Lord, in this time that I preach and Lord, and in the times that it is listened to by your people. And Lord, for anyone that is yet to come to know you, Lord, that you would uh, draw them unto yourself, Lord, that they would see uh, that their greatest need is not that their bills are paid, that their greatest need is not that uh, they don't get a virus, uh, but their greatest need, Lord, is that they come to know you as Savior and Lord of their lives. So do this work, I pray, for the growth of your church and for for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I've got to be honest uh, that as we saw the quarantine was going to happen and and then how quickly things began to stretch out and and how long that we have been apart uh, physically for worship, uh, that I really began to second guess whether or not I wanted to continue in the study of 2 Corinthians because we were coming to this section. Here we are at a time where a lot of people aren't working. Some people have lost their jobs. Uh, Finances are tight for a lot of people. There's a lot of uncertainty. And here we are uh, coming to a passage of Scripture that uh, probably many outside the church would be the uh, stereotypical example of, of what the church is about. Oh, they just want money. And honestly, I, I have to confess that I had to, to repent of that uncertainty and fear uh, as I began to study this passage because it became clear uh, as I studied that this is exactly what we need to be reminded of as the church. Uh, People are going to say what they're going to say, but God's truth is is the very food that feeds our spiritual lives, brothers and sisters. And so I pray that you'll be encouraged by uh, this passage as I was. Um, I I pray if you are in need that this passage would would set you free to to reach out uh, for the help that you need because... Uh, that's what the body of Christ is is about. We glorify God in our generosity and love towards one another. I also want to make something clear as I get started. This is a passage that deals primarily with uh, the Gentile churches taking up an offering to meet the needs of the poor saints in Jerusalem who were suffering and so um, this is a very, these are specific instructions for a specific situation. But in the midst of this, we also see principles about what our attitude should be as it relates to our care, uh, whether it be special needs that, that come up in the, life, in the life of the church, or, or whether it be our attitude towards our ongoing giving uh, for, the, for, the, for the needs of the church. Um, and... Um, 
I, I really think uh, as we look into this passage that, that you're going to find that, wow, this is a, a very freeing passage of Scripture as well. Uh, I also want to commend you, New Hope. Uh, the number of calls and uh, people have reached out just expressing their desire to to help people as needs arise uh, in our church, local church body, has been so encouraging to me as a pastor. I, I know I've mentioned this before, but uh, it really uh, just does my heart good uh, at this time to know that you guys are loving one another well and you are genuinely concerned about the well-being of one another. So I praise God for that work of grace in your life. And um, just as we looked at Paul, kind of like a coach last week, encouraging uh, encouraging the Corinthians to press on and, and keep doing a good job. That, that's what I want to say to you now. Good job. Keep it up. Uh, let, let's press on and, and care well for each other as a church. Now, this morning, as, as we tackle uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 8, I want to do so really under three main headings uh, that all deal with generosity. Uh, first of all, we're going to see generosity uh, d- displayed in the face of trials. Secondly, uh, generosity as an act of worship. And then finally, generosity as an expression of love. And I pray that uh, the Lord truly would cultivate within each one of us a, a greater sense of how our generosity uh, not only cares well for the needs of others, but but it really is a, a way to glorify and to worship God. Um, that is what we're here for, to, to, to have everything that we do to bring glory to His name. So let's look first at, at verses 1 and 2, generosity in the face of trials. Let me read those to you again. Paul writes, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Now, in light of what we saw in chapter 7, it almost seems in chapter 8 that, that Paul is, is changing subjects completely as, as, we, as we dive in. Uh, if, you were, if you watched last week's message, you know that chapter 7 closes with Paul's joy and his confidence in the Corinthians and their repentance. And then here in chapter 8, Paul begins with, with the generosity of the churches in Macedonia. But, but I want to point something out from the context, brothers and sisters, that I don't think Paul is changing subjects at all. In fact, he, he's introducing them to another aspect of their repentance. Remember, in, in chapter 7, he's commending them. They have repented well uh, to his severe letter. And, and here in chapter 8, he addresses something that, that he really brought up way back in 1 Corinthians. So, so let's keep in mind the context uh, of what led Paul to, to write 2 Corinthians. Uh, as, as Paul wraps up the letter that we call 1 Corinthians in chapter 16, he, he writes of his plans to visit Corinth and, and, and the preparation that he wanted the church to take for his re- arrival. And, and he, in that, he instructs the Corinthians to begin taking a collection for the persecuted Christians in Jerusalem. That's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. So let me write that to you. Uh, I'll read that to you, I'm sorry. Paul writes, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is putting something aside and store it up as he may prosper 
so that there will be no collecting when I come. When I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable, I should go also. They will accompany me. So, so Paul wants them to, to, to take up what the other Gentile churches have been doing and caring for the poor in Jerusalem, the, the poor Christians in Jerusalem, uh, as, uh, as they were facing great persecution and, and famine. They were in a time of need. And so uh, Paul ends 1 Corinthians with that, and uh, he plans just months later to go to Corinth to, to visit with the church. And we know that when he went to visit, uh, things didn't go well. If you listened last week, you, you heard some of that context. He was, he was opposed. He actually left uh, uh, under very bad circumstances. Paul goes back and he writes the severe letter, which calls the church to repent. Uh, and uh, and they do, as we saw last week. And here he, he writes 2 Corinthians to both encourage them to define his ministry, but also to remind them, hey, there's there's one piece of the puzzle that, that you guys still haven't addressed yet. I, I brought this up in, in in 1 Corinthians to you. When I when I came, I, I intended to to take this gift, uh, accompany this gift, or, or to see this gift delivered to Jerusalem, and, and, and obviously that didn't happen. And I want to remind you, brothers and sisters, that that, that need still exists. And so it's important that, that they recognize that, hey, they've done well in their repentance as they dealt with those who opposed Paul. They've done well in their repentance, in their desire to be reconciled to Paul and how they cared for Titus as well. And Paul is pointing out, hey, there's one more piece of the puzzle. C- complete what you started by being faithful to meet this need for your brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. And so to encourage their faithfulness, Paul directs them to the generosity of the, verse, of the churches in Macedonia. These would be the churches, of, uh, the churches that were located in Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. And Paul's experience with these churches blew him away because of their generosity in seeking to to meet the needs of the poor in Jerusalem. And the reason for their generosity is clear in verse 1. Paul writes, We want you to know about the grace of God that has been given. The, The churches in Macedonia were generous because they had received God's grace his undeserved kindness and favor through Jesus Christ. Paul goes on to describe the circumstances that made God's grace so evident in their lives. In verse 2, he tells us that, that, that in the midst of a severe test of affliction, and that Greek word translated affliction means to be distressed or, or persecuted, pressured. Uh, severe means many or great uh, and so he's describing churches in Macedonia. This would have been northern Greece uh, that, that faced incredible pressure and persecution. And as they did so, they responded with joy and generosity. Paul continues, Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Now, I think this is a, it's kind of a strange combination that Paul uses to, to describe these churches. 
in the middle of an extreme test of their faith, this affliction that they were under, they had an abundance of joy. We, we, we would hope for that, for believers in that. That, that word abundance means a, a surplus, more than they needed. They had joy overflowing in their lives, even under trial. Even under trial, their joy was unshaken. And this really is what should happen as we rightly understand the love and grace that, that has been poured out on us as followers of Christ. That they were joyful, yet, Paul points out, they were extremely poor. They had an abundance of joy, but they, they lacked material possessions. That word extreme in the Greek means that they were as low as they could get. They were dirt poor. And so... This strange combination of an abundance of joy and an extreme poverty overflowed or resulted in an overflowing gift to help the needs of the poor in Jerusalem. This is a really interesting description. These joyfully persecuted poor believers had heard about the plight of other poor Christians in Jerusalem and they simply had to give. They, they had to give because they loved God. And as a result, they gave over and above what was expected because they had truly experienced God's grace. Their priorities had been changed by God to the point where they sought the good of others, even at a great cost to themselves. They, they were almost as, as poor as the, the Christians in Jerusalem, yet they continued to give. That, that, that's mind-boggling and, and encouraging at the same time. Listen, brothers and sisters, God is generous, and as a result, His children should be generous as well. Even under trial, we are called to prioritize generosity for the glory of God. In fact, we see in the next four verses that, that generosity is actually a way in which we can worship God. We, we see this in verses 3 through 6, generosity as an act of worship. Paul continues, he says, For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, I'm sorry, that's verse 7, we'll come to that later. So, so Paul really describes three important principles that, that, that marked their generosity. Uh, and first we'll start in verse 5 as we consider this first principle, the, the priority of worshiping God through generosity. We, we see this, uh, like I said in verse 5, where Paul writes, they gave themselves first to the Lord, then by the will of God to us. Now, it's important that we understand that first, in this instance, in verse 5, it is a reference to priority as, as much or even more so than chronology. The, the churches in Macedonia rightly saw the opportunity to help the poor in Jerusalem as an opportunity to glorify God. 
and they sought to do so wholeheartedly. Now, before we get there, I think this would be a great place for me to warn you that it is possible to be generous in our giving, yet at the same time have our hearts far from God. This type of legalistic giving brings no glory to God, nor does giving under, under compulsion or being guilted into giving. These things aren't glorifying to God. God is honored in our generosity when our hearts are first given to God. And as a result, we want to honor God in what we do. And the, and the churches in Macedonia uh, exemplified this perfectly in their generosity. Honoring God was truly their priority, and they would not be denied. So we must prioritize worshiping God through our generosity. The second principle that we need to, to keep in mind is, is that the Macedonians gave willingly as an act of worship. They prioritized it and they gave willingly. Paul continues in, in verse 3, he says, They gave according to their means, as Paul could testify, but not only that, and beyond their means of their own accord. They wanted to do it. Each person who gave did so as they were able, even did so sacrificially of their own choice. Paul did not command them, but they chose to give. What a, what a beautiful picture. Third, uh, the, 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 the third principle is that the Macedonians gave eagerly as an act of worship. Verse 4, Paul continues that they begged, they, they begging us for the favor of giving or contributing to the needs of the saints. And Paul says, this isn't what we expected. Paul and his companion, companions were blown away. They, they didn't expect the, the churches to, to not just give, but to beg to be able to give more. They, they weren't much better off than the people they were seeking to help, but they jumped at the opportunity to help their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. They begged for the opportunity. Let that sink in. They, being dirt poor themselves, begged Paul to take their money to help the poor in Jerusalem. And again in verse 5, we see that this overflowing, uh, abundant gift from these poor churches was not what Paul expected, but it was because they were giving themselves to God. Their hearts belonged to God, and so their money wanted to be for things that brought God glory. God's grace was evident in these churches as their love for God and His church was clearly seen in their willingness to be generous. I would go so far as to say that such generosity and unselfishness should be evident in each one of our lives. And seeing such grace at work in Macedonia, Paul sends Titus back to Corinth with this letter we call 2 Corinthians to encourage them to complete the offering for the Christians in Jerusalem that he had called them to in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Let me read verse 6 to you, uh, excuse me, uh, verse 7 to you again. I'm sorry, uh, yes, verses 7 and 8. Paul continues, but as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and in all earnestness and in our love for you, 
see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. If we Generosity as an expression of love. Now, I'm going to just touch briefly on this because Paul really continues to build on this idea throughout the rest of the chapter. Uh, so keep in mind there's, there's more to come. Um, but when we studied 1 Corinthians, we, we saw that the church was gifted. Paul wrote a lot about gifts. But they were incredibly immature in their faith. And, and in calling the, the church to fulfill their responsibility to, to love the suffering saints in Jerusalem well, Paul also calls them to grow spiritually in the process. In one sense, Paul hasn't taken off his coaching hat that we saw him wearing in chapter 7 where he was cheering on uh, the, the church to, to continue to, to, to excel in the things that they were doing well. You've done a good job repenting. I have confidence in you. Good job. Keep it up. And, and, and here in chapter 8, we, we see him doing the same thing in, in, in verse 7. He says, just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, excel in this act of grace also. Don't stop now. Don't, don't give up. Understand this opportunity that you have to love your brothers and sisters well. That, that word excel in the Greek means to abound or to overflow. Paul wants them to experience the joy of God honoring generosity because that will be a step of growth in their joy in God. And he also wants it to be done by their choice, just as it was done by choice by the Macedonians. Look at verse 8. Paul continues, he says, I say this not as a command, but to, pro but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. Now, we've seen this is typical for Paul. He, he's trying to set them up to succeed. He wants them to obey and to do what is right so that they will receive or experience the blessing of obedience. In following the example of the Macedonian churches, the Corinthians too would give evidence of, the genuine, of their genuine love for God and for his people. That, that, that's an important point, brothers and sisters. Our acts of, 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 of sacrifice and generosity for the, goods of, for the good of others truly is an expression of our love for God and our love for His people. We should be known for this. Our lives should have that flavor because our hearts have been given first in love to God. These are, are three Huge points for us as followers of Christ, brothers and sisters. We, we, we need to recognize that, that this type of generosity, a, a, a generosity that, that is seen in the face of trials, a, a generosity that we do in worship of our Lord, and, and, and generosity is an expression of our love. The, 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 this type of generosity is something that we must be known for, especially at such a time as this. Now, as I close, I want to just remind you that we are called to be generous, 
Brothers and sisters, because God has been generous to us in Christ. We'll see this next week as we continue in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. But, but that motivation for our willingness to be generous in our care for those in need flows directly from the generosity, the, the grace that we have received from God through faith in Christ. And, and as a result, I, I think that should cause us to, to, to rethink and reprioritize really three main areas in our lives. First of all, we need to rethink the way we view our possessions. So as we consider the, the generosity of the Macedonians, we need to realize that, yes, this certainly applies to our money, but, but we should also rethink everything that we own because really we want to own it in a way that, that reveals that God owns our hearts. So, so we need to rethink the way we view our possessions and our money. We, we also need to rethink the way we view others. Each need that we come across, both inside and outside the body of Christ, truly is an opportunity for us to, 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 to be a living example of the generosity that we have received from God. Now, that takes wisdom at times, and, and there are times that, that we can't always do what, or give as much as we would want to give. But we need to recognize when God places those opportunities in front of us. And that really leads me to my third closing point. And that's that we need to reprioritize our care for others, seeing it as an expression of worship to God. Worship certainly is the songs that we sing, but it's so much more than that, brothers and sisters. That's just one aspect of worship. How we listen to God's word is an act of worship. How we read the word and apply the word in our lives is an act of worship. How we love others in the church is an act of worship. And how we share the good things that God has given us with others is an act of worship as well. L listen to this quote from R. Kent Hughes. In, in describing the importance of our spiritual growth, he writes this. He says, There is no way to grow to spiritual maturity without committing your finances to the Lord. Jesus can have our money and not have our hearts, but he cannot have our hearts without our money. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, quite simply, when Jesus has our hearts, he has all of us. He has our money, he has our time, he has our possessions. Jesus says a some, little something about the importance of our prioritizing our, uh, our finances and, 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 and the things that we love in Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 34. And I'm going to close with these verses because I believe that they are a great way not just to close this message, but also a great source of encouragement to the church during this time when things are so challenging for us. Listen to the words of our Lord. Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 22. And Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. 
Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as smallest thing as that, why are you so anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. Brothers and sisters, we are called to treasure the Lord and the things of his kingdom. We need not fear what we might lose in being generous to others, but we need to look for opportunities to glorify God as we care well for others, for this brings him glory and honor. One of the things that that troubles me most about contemporary Christianity is the overwhelming number of prosperity preachers out there that beg for your money and tell you that if you give, God's going to bless you in this way or that way. When we see clearly in passages like this that our generosity and our giving doesn't, doesn't flow from this desire to get back from God, but it truly is an expression of worship and love for Him. And it's my prayer that that each one of us, as we are able, and and some of you may not be able at this point, that we be faithful and generous as we love and care for others, for this glorifies God, and this goes totally counter to everything that the world is doing at this point. So may God be evident in our generosity and our love for one another. Love you, and I'm praying for you, and we will see you next week.